You get these questions a lot. Where are you from? And what do you do? That's what you get asked, right? Meeting someone new, if you're at a party, or maybe on your dating profile. So why not just tell the world? We just launched a brand new online store that tells people where you're from and what you do. It has all 50 U.S. states and some countries represented with physical therapist gear at ptpinecast.com. A stainless steel tumbler for a PT in Tennessee. Check. South Carolina PT t-shirts. Double check. Face masks for a Florida PT. Yeah, we got that. Great gear for life, all with your profession and the home state on it. Great gifts for yourself, a colleague, a clinical instructor, a student, all now at ptpinecast.com. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast. What's going on? It's PT Pinecast. I'm your host, physical therapist, Drew McKay. That's first, like, we, we used the countdown timer a few times. They say you're supposed to do it because when you go live, like your audience gets little notifications and it gives them like a hot minute to uh, to jump on. Uh, we do broadcast the show live at PT Pinecast on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. If you are joining the show, if you're watching live, drop in the comments below. Let us know live and also where you are located geographically. Again, I say this all the time and I mean it. I'm always just constantly like shocked, amazed, curious where the, the show gets to, what corners of the world program gets to so if you're watching live uh, on any of those platforms drop a question comment or just let us know where you are watching from do you want to say thanks to our friends from cbd rx for you that's your cbd store they came on as a sponsor a few months ago giving away some pint glasses through those guys they're going to mail them right to you at ptpintcast.com doesn't cost you anything to get in the running for that so jump on there that website again ptpintcast.com find out the abcs of cbd your patients your friends your family uh, they're using it over the counter for a lot of different things. Uh, health, wellness, sleep, just because their friends are doing it, people do that. Uh, so find out what it will do for people's courses of treatment through through medical professionals. So cbdrx4u.com is the website. Again, thanks for those guys for supporting the show. You can support the show. We talked about this uh, last week, but we launched our own show, uh, our own store, based on an episode that we did with Andrew Tran of Memes. Com. So thank you, Andrew, for showing us and the audience and you how to do that, why you should do that. So now we sell like cool stuff like this. I know our lawyer has said this bears no resemblance to a famous soft drink logo. If it is, it is unintentional. Uh, but that this sort of thing, j- just stuff for PTs. We debuted this last week as well. This my new Rotary Cup IPA T-shirt. I mean, if they're going to call it the Rotary Cup, you might as well just celebrate it. So uh, check it out online at ptpinecast.com to support the show. Without further ado, and you all know how much I love to do, let's let's start this. Up. There we go. Welcome to PT Pinecast. A uh, well, just great physical therapy conversations on tap. Find us online at PT Pinecast on all the socials plus at ptpinecast.com. Just mention the uh, the store as well if you want to support the show. Excited tonight? The question, are you a fixture or a change maker? Some people are already asking on Facebook, can you be both? This is not for me to answer. People, that's why we have the guests. You come here for the guests and not for me. I just sit here and drink along with you guys. Uh, so without further ado, let's bring in our guest tonight, a physical therapist, practice owner of Total Therapy Solutions. If you are uh, in and around the world of physical therapy on social media, maybe you've bumped into many of this guy's videos, instructional in nature, myself following along on, I like to call it journey. I use that word very intentionally. We'll dig into this journey. Uh, he believes the, uh, the approach to healthcare involves treating the total body and his heart lies as a creator and he's very passionate for finding value in the ordinary. Let's bring him in tonight. We, get, we pipe in our own crowd music. There we go. Tony Maritato. Tony, welcome to the show. What's going on, Jimmy? Jimmy and the crew, thank you guys so much for having me. Pumped to finally have you on the show. Uh, first questions, are always the hardest. We get them out of the way first. What are we drinking tonight? Hey, so I thought I was going to be hydrating with some high-quality H2O, but I ended up grabbing a pale ale, a little IPA here, and so I'm ready. I love that. Mad Tree uh, IPA. I am matching your IPA with an IPA. This from the Hudson Valley. It is a Juice Bomb IPA from Sloop. Fruity and juicy and IPA. So cheers to you, Tony, for coming on the show. Cheers. All right. So we mentioned that you are a creator, a creator at heart. 
But let's start with our profession. Then we'll get into your, your creations and your creativity. I think we agree on something, and that is physical therapy is a service and not a product. And when you're yeah. offering a service, it's more than what is done. Talk about what should we be do what we should be doing as an individual or as a profession to create this client experience. That's that feeling really, because that's really what a service is. It is, you know, and, and you said it exactly, a patient care experience, a client experience. You know, we live in such an amazing time, 2021, even despite all the challenges that have happened over the last year and a half or so. The reality is this is the most prolific time for humanity ever, ever. Like we are producing so much, whether it be information or content or, or just connections like you and I connecting on this platform is just incredible. And so when you take that and you think where we are as a society, people are looking for experiences more than anything else. They can get cheap products from anywhere across the country. They want the experience. And I think as therapists, you know, we kind of fool ourselves a little bit into thinking that we're more science than art, but we're artists. Plain and simple, like we are artists, Van Gogh, Rembrandt, this is the, the world we live in. And the better we embrace that fine art perspective and creating a one-of-a-kind experience that's never going to be repeated, the more fulfilled we become as clinicians. Yeah. Some things that I want that I heard when you were talking there was, number one, every single day we wake up and we are in the, the most connected world we've ever lived in. That is only going to keep increasing. We have access to, as you mentioned, purchasing things or services right now. I could be ordering something from Amazon right now as we have this conversation at, at, at a touch of a button. So I think we're very, very critical consumers, right? If we get, you know, 10, 15 years ago, good enough was good enough. And now we are constantly thinking, could I get it easier? Could I get it cheaper? Could this be a better experience? And we are basing our next buying decision on the experiencing on the experience we're receiving right now. And you need to remember that, yes, even as, and I'm throwing air quotes here for the podcast audience, as just a physical therapist, because again, as I mentioned, what I thought we agreed on is this is an experience, this is a service, and you should treat it as such. Yeah, I, I can remember back. I mean, I've been in this world 20 years now. Wow. And uh, going back early in the practice, before I was a physical therapist, I was a practice owner. And I can remember talking to the clinicians and, you know, we, we had this saying about being a bricklayer and the more bricks we could lay, the more money we would make. And it was all about production and laying bricks. And there's, there's a component of value in that. But the reality is we've transcended that. And I think we as a profession need to embrace the fact that we're, we're past the technician phase. We're no longer stretching hamstrings for the sake of stretching hamstrings. Now we're truly crafting a one of a kind plan of care. And we have the freedom now more than ever to use all of our faculties to come up with the most comprehensive program. I'm not just doing what insurance will pay for. I'm doing what's best for my patient and giving the patient the opportunity to purchase what I believe is best for them. And if they don't want to do that, there's plenty of other clinicians down the street. Yeah, but you've given them the best experience, the best insight into what your experience uh, can be. As we say hi to some people checking in, Vincent Gutierrez saying what's going on, uh, Tara cool, uh, Taylor Kuhlman from Kansas, Vincent out from uh, Tilling Park, Illinois, Brian from Amelia, Amelia Island, Florida, uh, checking in. Thanks to uh, Owens Recovery Science as well for kicking off the show. They bring you the first round. Uh, looking for certification and personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training and the equipment you need to apply properly in, in clinical practice, OwensRecoveryScience.com. You, you need to be paying attention to that. Uh, I had a chance to take a little bit of the, uh, the Ritz-Carlton um, uh, executive kind of experience course yeah. and all the different things and what they do and why they do it. And they're like, just because we're Ritz-Carlton Ritz -Carlton doesn't mean you can't be the Ritz-Carlton of, right? They've almost like taken that Cadillac approach of, of we are the Cadillac of, or we're the Kleenex of, they kind of own that experience. And I think it served them pretty well. Uh, you want to talk about strictly business and going for that bricklayer mentality. The cost of acquiring a new, a new patient, a new customer, a new client is, client is going to be way higher than over-serving or keeping that relationship going. So that isn't to say to keep a patient on treatment is, is, is a lower cost. What it is, is 
giving someone a great experience, building that relationship. So the next time that person needs your service or even better yet, the best time, the best when that, when that person knows someone who could benefit from your service, they mention you first. Yeah. I, th I think we could learn a lot of lessons from other businesses that have grown in that model. You know, you look at CrossFit, how CrossFit scaled and grew to the size that it did. It didn't do it by trying to be LA fitness. It did it by being CrossFit, embracing everything that CrossFit is. And the irony is that people are paying $150, $200, $300 to work out in a nasty, dusty warehouse. Who who would ever think that was going to be a thing? Who would imagine? I, I go back to my strength and conditioning background. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're going to tell me I'm going to put a class of 20 people from a an 80 pound year old, 17 year old female with a 42 year old, you know, power lifting 180 pound male, and they're going to do the same programming? That seemed crazy. Nobody would have done that. Yet they did it. And the culture around CrossFit, the culture around Curves Fitness for Women, the culture around Orange Theory, we need to embrace, create that family. Because like you said, when we're conditioned to think, well, I can only do what insurance pays for and insurance will only pay for this much, we lose sight of the fact that these are human beings. They're not widgets. And if I can keep 10 human beings for the next 10 years in my business, in my family, as part of the community... I don't have to go out there and sell my soul to, to market and do all these other things to bring more clients in just to have more turnover, more liability, more headache and more frustration. Yeah. Yeah. You said you said that word, which I was going to chime in too, which is culture, which is community, which just because you're not now, this isn't I don't think Tony's saying I'm not saying you need to have group. That's not what we're saying, because a lot of those things you mentioned were group culture can be. Community can be one-to-one. -one. It can be you and the people that work within your organization. It can be how you talk to someone. Like the big one for um, for the Ritz Cart was my pleasure. You and if I ask of something and you and then I you ask me of something I deliver and you say thanks, my response is it's my pleasure. That leaves you with a, with an experience knowing that I wanted to assist you. That opens keeps the door open. Like come on back. You know, sending someone off and saying, hey, listen, I, I think we've progressed. Here's what I'm going to leave you with. Uh, it's been my pleasure to serve you. I'd like you to think of me again if you thought this experience was a good one. The next time you might need this or someone else. Something that simple says to the person, which is not which is not something that should go unsaid. I would like to continue this relationship if you if you so need. I, I think the craziest thing I remember this as a, a newer um, I was an exercise tech. I wasn't even a therapist at the time. And I would hear therapists say at discharge, hope we never see you again. And I, I always used to think about that. I'd be like, how are you saying that to somebody? And, and this is the craziest part. It's one thing because we laugh and we joke and we're like, oh, we know they're going to be back, you know, but I can remember patients that would come back almost like heartbroken and feel deflated because they felt like a failure because their therapist said, I hope I never see you again. And in the patient's mind, they said, oh, I need therapy again. They're going to be so disappointed. I'm embarrassed to go back. You know, it's, it's this miscommunication between what we think is funny, humorous as a clinician and what the yeah. patient hears as, you know, this ultimatum. So for, for those of you out there, don't ever say that. Just be like, hey, this is family. I'm going to see you again. And I can't wait great. till I see you again. Right. I can't wait for the chance to help you again if that person's not staying in the practice. We'll get to some questions and comments. Throw them in there. We got one from Brian coming up in just a, in just a minute. We'll get to that. But uh, why do you think creating an experience is more involved than science? We focus a lot on school. We take continuing education. We are not downplaying these things. They're important. But you think that creating experience is actually more involved. Me coming from a communications background, you know, I can see where what's involved. If you're not if you're not doing it, sometimes you can miss how how heavy the lift can be. What's your take? I think it's the soft skills. I mean, we we see that now more than ever. Connection, you know, humans have lost that connection because of everything that's been going on in society. And so when I see, I, I get the benefit of being a third person uh, observer in, in my clinic, because I don't treat a lot of the patients. I do a lot of the evals, but then I've got a team that treats, but then even across other, other clinics. And I can see that the connection is what patients value. And so a therapist who might not have all the clinical skills, but is working on improving them, could have far better outcomes 
than the clinician with 20 years experience who's phenomenally educated, but can't connect with that human being sitting in front of them, can't realize that patient is getting frustrated because they're not doing it exactly the way you're telling them to do it, whatever that is. So the experience of you know, feeling good and enjoying therapy. And I always say we sell something that most of our clients don't want. If they wanted to work out, if they wanted the stuff we want them to do, they'd be doing it already. They're not. They're coming in dressed in outfits and slacks and button up shirts. They're not coming to work out. Um, they're not coming for a manual treatment. And so we're trying to sell something that they're not necessarily expecting. But the great clinician isn't the most skilled in all cases. It's the one that can communicate and ask the best questions. Yeah, you're 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 looking for, uh, you know, as you mentioned that people are 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 coming to us for something they don't necessarily want. They probably have some apprehension, some insecurity, some reservations. You need to be able to build a relationship to get rid of those. You can't tell someone calm down. Like whenever someone says calm down, I'm like. Well, that's worthless. That was you just wasted some space there. Um, so you need to do that thing first. First and foremost is build that in, is build that relationship. Uh, let's take some questions here. Brian threw it out a minute ago. Anthony, what's your advice for where to focus marketing dollars and time for a 100% uh, base uh, cash PT uh, practice? Because, and we'll get into this a little more for the audience. You have a really transparent kind of journey going on with a lot of the content that you create. So let's let's take Brian's question first, and we'll get into what you do. Yeah, I I, I tend to categorize those separately. You know, people tend to have more dollars than time, or more time than dollars. And so I'm I'm old school, guys. I come out of 20 years of history, right? I'm never going to pass up a deep connection with a potential referral source to put more money into social media. It's just not gonna happen. And, and I talk to therapists every single day. I talked to one yesterday, she's an OT out of New York. She's frustrated because she's not getting the caseload that she wants. And I said, what physicians are you talking to? And she said, well, I don't wanna talk to physicians because they have their own networks and their own people. And I said, look, these physicians are seeing 40, 50, 60 people a day who absolutely desperately need your help. You're not going to get all of them. Who cares? Nobody ever will. But if you get one or two physicians who genuinely care about their patients, who genuinely want what's best for them, you just open the floodgates to your practice, you know, and, and that's what it is. And so for me, the way I build those relationships, we did the stuff that you always hear. We did the luncheons and the meet and greets and all of that. But really now there's a couple simple strategies. I mean, you, you network, you guys, I do things to share those experiences with you, the clinicians. You see me interviewing physicians, right? That builds relationships. There are surgeons who are reaching out to me, just like Jimmy, I'm sure you have it. There are people reaching out to you that want to be on your show, you know? So there are surgeons reaching out to me that want to be interviewed. That raises my personal brand and it gives me that reciprocity with them. Um, obviously attending patient follow-up visits, you have a patient, they're scared, they're confused. They don't know what to ask the doc. You say, look, Betty, no worries. I'm going to meet you at the office. I'll be there 10 minutes before I'll go in with you. And if you can't do it because of COVID, you just do it virtually. You get on, you say, Betty, turn on FaceTime when you're in the exam room and I will be there with you. I'll help you remember the questions you want answers to. And we'll do this together. It's insane. The return on that investment. You know, the patient loves you for it. The, the surgeon's always impressed. I've never in 21 lot. years. Say it again. It, that says a lot when a, yeah. when, 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 when a doctor sees that and a patient, what does that say? It says you are worth my time. Right, right. And, and compare that to doctor, I want you to give me three minutes so I can pitch you on why I'm the best therapist. Nobody wants that, you know? So, so where I would spend your time is making connections. I think the biggest bang for your buck is finding the right physicians to connect with. Then you go to the next tier of most effective referral sources, your local community, the Pilates instructor, yoga instructor, massage therapist. And you're not going them to them to say, I want you to send me your injured clients. You're going to them to say, I've got some videos showing how with a massage therapist, they're seeing people with back pain. I say, look, jump on a video call. We can do a telehealth session. I'll do a telehealth evaluation for your client. Your client can be in your studio 
And unless there's anything major going on, I'm going to tell your client to stay with you. I'll give them two or three things that they can do if they want to work with me in addition to working with you. Awesome. But this now adds value to the LMT. The LMT all of a sudden now isn't going to lose a client to PT. They're going to gain the benefit of the PT experience and keep the patient, you know, with your guidance. I mean, there are just so many things you can do. That's where I would spend the time. Money is just not that effective in building those relationships. I think you can amplify, th you can amplify things with money, but building something with money is like, it's, you're, th you're throwing money at a problem. Yeah. Right? Like you used to be in the, in the Mad Men days, you could buy attention. You could buy a nation's worth of attention. You had enough money. You just, there were three TV channels and you owned them. And because you were the only voice screaming, uh, you're the voice paid attention to. But everything that, An that Tony just said there was about relationship building, was worth time, worth a phone call, worth showing up, worth doing a FaceTime. I'd say if you're going to do that, uh, and all I heard in my head was uh, the Sesame Street song, who are the people in your neighborhood, right? Yeah. Know the people in your neighborhood, right? Yeah. I always say like, especially with this podcast, which was accidental, why I'm still doing it five, almost six years later. Um, I would ask people because I genuinely wanted to understand what they what they knew, right? Maybe they wrote a book and I didn't have the money to buy it as a PT student, but I wanted to know. When you go with an ask, can you tell me about how you've been so successful in this market? Or like, you know, hey, that that certification you have as a surgeon or or as a as a massage therapist, can you tell me about that? I'm just I'm super curious. That says nothing about you, but they met you and now you have a relationship. So when I reach out to surgeons, and that's who I focus on for interviews. The first thing I say is, hey, I want to know the cool stuff you're doing these days because the community doesn't know about it. Right. So if you're doing a new procedure, if you're doing new injections, if you have some sort of new protocol, come on the show and let's talk about it so that we can help get the word out. Not only does that build the immediate relationship between myself and the guest, but then I also put that content on a website that has my name next to the surgeon's name. So nobody is searching for the best physical therapist, but they are searching for who's the best knee surgeon. And when it comes up with Dr. Abbott, well, look who interviewed Dr. Abbott, Dr. Abbott, Anthony Maritato, you know? And so you start building that piggyback name recognition, the connection, the reciprocity, but it has to be genuine. Like yeah. I genuinely want to know what you're doing. People will know. And I used to tell this when I used to train radio DJs, Number one, I would, if they had headphones on, I always said, have one ear off. Number one, the reason is you talk with radio voice when you can only hear radio voice. When you can hear your actual voice, you'll talk with your actual voice and people will know the difference. But don't try to be something you're not. People won't know what's wrong, but they'll know something's wrong and they will reject that reality and substitute their own. Um, wow. Now, now let's lower the people watching right now or watching the replay or listening to the podcast, right? We're talking to physical therapists. You're talking about interviewing physicians. They might have anxiety saying, I don't know how to do that. Where do I get started? Is this so hard? Do I need to be so technologically advanced? You know, Jimmy's got a background in radio. Can anybody do this? I think I know the answer. What's your take? A hundred percent. hundred percent. And it's one of those things where, you know, if you did a Google search for like how to start a YouTube channel, how to start interviews, they're going to tell you, get your first hundred out of the way. You're going to be bad. Expect it to be bad. I still remember the first, you know, gee, I, I've been doing this a very long time. Thousands of videos across multiple YouTube. And, and I would have like the little bits of white spit in the corner <laughs> of my mouth. And I'd be staring like the big owl eyes at the camera and I wouldn't know what to do. And so, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So what I would do, here's, here is my tip. When I really want to make it work. I would take my phone, my camera, something. I'd set it up when I'm in an evaluation with a real patient. I would focus it on me so that, sorry, my buddy's out there. Sorry. So that when I'm talking to the other human, I just happen to be recording that real. experience. That was the best thing. That broke the ice for me. And then now I can talk to you. I can talk to this little black dot. I can talk to whoever I need to. Yeah, that's the real way to do it, right? Because when you get in a booth, or you start staring at an inanimate object like a camera and you're supposed to make a connection, getting in, just doing reps. How would you say it to your friend? We used to tell, I used to tell people all the time, we'd have what's called liner cards in the radio studio, right? Like just bullet points of information. The Foo Fighters are playing on Friday. The website is this, da, 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 da. I'd say read whatever you were going to read, 
got to read it a few times, then put it face down and now explain it to your friend like your friend doesn't know. And that's a real way to do it. And you doing that with a patient is exactly the kind of reps that you need. All right, let's go to Vincent's question. What are your expectations when getting into the profession in comparison to what are your expectations of being a PT today? So this sounds like a time comparison. You say you've been doing this for a while now. So expectations when getting into the profession in comparison to what your expectations are today, now that you've got some reps under your belt. Yeah, that that's a great question. I mean, Vincent, I've followed him for years now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure Vincent kind of went through this with me. Um, so I got into this. I was a strength coach for quite a few years uh, after I had my undergraduate degree in kinesiology. I was a strength coach, worked with Olympic lifters. That was my passion. And then I said, you know, I just fell in love with physical therapy. But at that time, early on, even before physical therapy school, during school, everything was about biomechanics. I come from a biomechanic brain. I'm very engineer based when it comes to that. So it was so simple. The world was so simple because I could look at the human body and I can see imbalances and and these little nuances and I could say, okay, well, clearly this is the problem. This is why you have pain. Let me let this guy in real quick. Go ahead, man. He just wants to be on the show. I think I think last year, a dog in the middle of an interview, people would be like, oh my gosh, that's a catastrophe. In 2021, we're like, well, we're all remote. We've all got, to- yeah, that's like the rule. If you have a dog on screen, you got to introduce the dog. Who are we talking this, to? This is Tucker. Tucker is one year old. This is our buddy. Wait, that dog is one? He's big. Yeah, a he's a big dog. boy. So he's actually a double doodle. Whatever the ratios are, I don't know, but he's amazing. Um. So like, um, and I'm sure Vincent's been through this, you know, 20 years ago, life was simple. Everything was biomechanic. Pain always was a result of tissue damage. Um, Now fast forward and it's, look, the strategies that I learned in PT school were amazing, but they were designed for treating injuries. I haven't seen an injury in like 10 years. I deal with lifestyle disease, you know, uh, diabetes and hypertension, metabolic syndrome, all of this stuff. People who come to me have pain in the shoulder, very real, very legitimate pain that has no mechanism of injury. And I'm like, look, I'm, you know, we've been through this. This is amazing. You have no red flags. I'm super happy to tell you. But the reality is the house is on fire. The shoulder pain is a candle that's lit in the kitchen. I can blow it out, but it's not going to stop the house from burning down. We need to address the bigger issues that you're dealing with here. That's a good analogy. I like that. And, and, it, and it shows a progression, right? Like you came into it very engineering, very um, technician based. Yeah. Now look at what we start with, with an interview with Tony, which is experience and a service and how are we going to connect with, with a human? Right. Um, so the title of the episode we wanted to do, what's the difference between a fixer and a change maker? I figure, I feel like that's a good topic now because you just highlighted that kind of candle in the kitchen burning down house. Uh, uh, analogy, metaphor, whichever one fits. Talk about that question, fixer versus changer. Yeah, I I think it's one of those things where, you know, as therapists, we want to help people. We want to fix problems. We, you have shoulder pain, there's impingement, you're tight upper trap, tight levator, you know, we're going to strengthen this and loosen that. And we're going to fix things that that's what we, we typically see when we come into the profession. Now, 20 years later, I can't fix anything. I I can't, you know, so let's change things. You've, you've gotten to where you are after 20 or 40 years of lifestyle. Let's start making gradual changes. Let's turn the momentum a little bit. Let's change the direction so that now 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you can do the things you want to do. So many of my clients, they've worked their entire lives, whether it be manual labor, whether it be a desk job, whatever. They've worked their entire lives. They've saved their money. They want to take time now in retirement with their family. They want to take adult children and grandchildren out on vacation. They can't. They can't do it. They can't physically do it. And so what I'm selling isn't a solution to shoulder pain. It's not. I tell all my patients, I'm like, look, I can't change pain. I don't treat pain. I can't change pain. The best I can do is make you stronger, healthier, move more with the same pain And if we're lucky, it'll be less pain. But if you want to go on a family vacation next year to the beach and you can't walk on the beach right now, that's what we're going to get to. 
you know, and, and those are the emotions, the triggers that we want to really understand because that's what's going to make the difference between a patient who comes intermittently. Well, I canceled today because I've got a hair appointment versus the patient who is like dedicated, will run through a brick wall to do everything that needs to be done to make that change in their life, not just fix the symptom. I think it also, you also highlight the change of me, me as the practitioner being able to do the thing versus we, which is I can guide, I'm the Yoda, you're the Luke in this scenario. And if, if you're, if we are not doing this, we will not accomplish our goal. We will not accomplish our goals together. It is. It's, it's, is it, am I here to do something to you or are we doing this together? You know, am I the coach or the healer? Like as clinicians, we need to clarify that for ourselves. Um, and I mean, there's, there's people who have found great success in both areas. I certainly don't want to be the healer. I don't want to be the guru. I don't want to be the one that you come to. Um, I want to be the educator, the empowerment, you know, the, the coach. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I love. That's what I do. And that's where I go back to, this is a creative process where, where I grew, I went to high school at a visual and performing arts high school, painting, drawing. Um, that was my passion. I was supposed to go to a fine arts college. I chose to go this direction, but now humans are my canvas. You know, the exercises are, are the brushes and the paints and I I'm creating that experience. I like that. And I didn't know that about you. That's pretty interesting how now, now we're talking about art and science being mixed. And that's a conversation happening a lot around the profession since I've been in it for five years. And that, you know, the generalist specialist question, the art versus science, the soft skills. And I'm using air quotes because I think we got to find a new name for it because they're, they're not necessarily soft. Um, that's really interesting. I didn't know that about you in terms of the, 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 the art background. This, this is starting to explain a lot. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've just always have been kind of a creative by nature, you know, and, and any opportunity. And for me, like pulling that back to business for a second, yeah, the money is, is there. I don't care about the money. I, I really don't. Like to me, the money is just a sign of is what I'm creating valuable to somebody. You know, if the bank account is going up, it's because I'm creating value for somebody. That's all that it means to me. I, I don't buy new things. I don't care. I drive the same car. I live in the same house. Like I don't, material stuff doesn't matter. It's purely a signal to say, Hey, I hit a vein. I'm on the right track. I'm creating value. I'm, I'm improving people's lives. And the way that I know that is my bank account is going up. You know, I tell people, I told this team, we were, I was taught this in radios. If you live by the numbers, you have to die by the numbers. So if you're, right. if you're training, if you're, if you're competing for the numbers, you're focused on the wrong thing. So if you, if, if for, as a podcaster, if I'm only looking for downloads, I'm just going to hit low hanging fruit, right? I'm going right. to provide, I'm, I'm candy, right? I'm really sweet. I'm going to hit that dopamine fix in your brain, then I'm done. But if I can get some substance, well, maybe the spikes are, are not as high, but, but I'm telling you, I'm going to trend upwards. And the same thing was, you know, in radio in terms of ratings and it should be, or, you know, you're, you're highlighting that in terms of, of your businesses. Yeah. It's a slow burn, but it's sustainable. It's comfortable. And it goes back to your priorities. You know, why are you doing what you're doing? Like, again, I see clinicians that, are, are making decisions. And I, I tell people all the time, like try to treat yourself, your business, like your patient. Would you make a decision for your patient? That's not going to take them toward their goal. Every single day, I think about the things that I'm doing, the things that I'm moving toward. I'm like, is this moving me toward my goal? What is my goal for me? I've got four boys in the other room. My goal is to spend time with them. I was coaching little league. My wife is at um, football to pick up our oldest. Like, this is my goal. I can always make money into the future. I can be 80 and make money if I need to make money. That's not my goal. My goal is time, freedom, security. I want my wife to feel comfortable. You know, I, I've seen like Ramit Sethi and other uh, guys talking about this, how when you're looking at marriage, you've got one spouse who maybe is a little more insecure about money. The other doesn't care. That's me. So I understand, okay, how much do you need in the bank to feel comfortable there? We're going to get it there. And now let's just enjoy what we're doing, you know? And so as a clinician, understanding 
what your goal is and are the decisions you're making today moving you toward that goal? Is taking that $50 an hour job moving you toward that goal? Is getting the OCS moving you toward that goal? You know, Vincent, if he's still on, I mean, he's a great experimenter. He talked today about getting his OCS and if it helped him or not and what his feelings are on that. So I think we can learn from each other. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. So look, teach us from this. I want to learn from this because this is also something that we talk about on social media, right? This this ever lurking villain in the background, which is insurance companies. Yeah. Now you think insurance companies are an asset to physical therapists. I love when you can turn the villain into a compadre, like educate me, help me understand. Yeah. You know, and, and you said, help me understand. I think that's what is so frustrating is that clinicians want to jump all over the insurance company, which they don't care um, and, and make them the bad guy and make them the villain, the scapegoat. Everything wrong with healthcare is because of it. No, it's not like take a breath. Let's look at this with some perspective. Okay, so what is the health insurance system in the first place? It's a financial institution. That's it. It balances risk. That is it. Most people have to lose money in order for a few people to get ungodly amounts of money. And the, the story I always share is, and half of it is, is actual fact, half of it is just for illustration, but take my mom. My mom went you know, onto a Medicare Advantage plan. Everybody wants to vilify Medicare Advantage. She was spending about $10,000 a year in monthly premiums. So she was great for the first year, lost $10,000, never used healthcare services. Second year, third year, fourth year, 40,000 into this investment, never used healthcare services, right? So you would think, oh man, she's getting robbed. How can they do that? Fifth year. Now the, the story gets sad, but it's okay. Um, She's a type two diabetic. She wasn't managing her sugar. She went into renal failure, started dialysis, got into a car accident, had a brain bleed, ICU admission, um, discharged to skilled nursing, back to home, had a fall, head bleed again, ICU again, skilled nursing again, never left the skilled nursing. In that one year of her life, she used well over $500,000 in medical health care costs, right? She paid in $50,000 over a five-year period, got out $500,000 in covered services. If you give me an exchange like that in the stock market, I'm going to take it every single day. So the reality is health care insurance, it's not health care. Health care insurance right. has a role. The flip side of that is, if any of you have a retirement account, if any of you have a 401k or a Roth or some sort of investment vehicle, you probably are the beneficiaries of the rising valuations of a health insurance company. You know, so while we might complain that United Healthcare doesn't pay us enough on the service side, we have to acknowledge that my stock portfolio is going up month over month because the company is making money doing what they do best. You know, and the reality is, if I can't provide services for the rate that United Healthcare is willing to pay, I shouldn't sign the contract. Sure. Jimmy, you would never take a physical therapy job for 15 bucks an hour. Can't you just it. wouldn't. Can't do it. Yeah. So it, it's we tie our emotions, we tie our egos, we tie our insecurities around this, you know, nameless, faceless villain that's out there. But we really don't take the time to educate ourselves about what's really going on and what our options are. Yeah. So I do. I, I think without insurance, I think without corporate therapy centers, without big, massive corporate therapy, you know, providers, our profession would disappear because we need those big corporates to handle everybody in the center of the bell curve. You and I should be focusing on the tails of the bell curve. Yeah. Everybody else, we, we could not handle the volume oh, yeah. of patient care that they can handle. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. And, I, and I've used that phrase before. You do not purchase health care from your employer. That's not what you're paying into everybody. You are, you are purchasing health care insurance. And like, right. you know what? Like there should be a lecture or two in high school about the difference between health care and health insurance. What is this? I still know the Pythagorean theorem. I haven't used it in years. But yeah, we spent weeks on that. But, you know, how to balance a checkbook or what health insurance is and how to pick it. Uh, that wasn't necessarily covered too much in high school. So I, you know, I like that analogy. I like how people can look at that, which is here's the thing again, Tony, they're not going away. 
So right. looking at them differently is probably more effective than just kind of yelling at clouds is the way we look at it. And understanding it, like, how do I leverage this? I, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, look, if you're in a healthcare network, health insurance network, it's not closing doors for you. It's opening them. When I have individuals who join my Medicare course and they learn about Medicare and they're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, the beauty of this is now you understand this is what Medicare covers. This is what it doesn't cover. If you want your patient to have what it doesn't cover, you're totally allowed to build self-pay rates, cash rates, whatever you want to call it. Um, so all of a sudden the doors just flung open and now I can include nutritional counseling, lifestyle management, mindfulness, life coach, goals, business. Like I've been on this kick lately. I, I posted today, like the last lap of a mile should be your fastest, right? Why isn't the last 20, 25 years of our life the most successful? Because I've got 75% of my life that I've learned from, that I've made stupid mistakes and I've learned those lessons. Now, all I need is the physical body and guess who delivers that? You do, I do, we do. We provide the physical body for them. They put their life experience. I plan to build a million dollar business in my 70s because what else am I gonna do? I'm not gonna sit on a park bench, you know? Right, yeah, make interactions and, and, and use what you've learned. Right. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is use what you've learned. You've you've gone and I think you had, I forget how you phrased it, but you were apprehensive about creating videos, didn't know where to start. You went from that to knowing, you know, intricate details about resolution on cameras and how to edit what platforms to put videos on and how to frame them. And you literally just have the roof kind of open. You're showing other physical therapists that's really or, or other healthcare providers. That's your audience on how to create a course, where to put your videos, why creating this content is valuable, uh, where did that start? Why did you start doing it? And why are you still doing it? I think it's every single one of us, everybody who's looking at this show right now, we are expert learners. You couldn't be an expert, you couldn't pass your PT, DPT, any of those programs without being an expert learner, without finding, knowing how to find the information. You know, and so what I love, what drives me like to the brink is when I can't do something, I go figure out how to do it. I find the resources I learn. And then once I learn and I internalize it, what's the best way to learn it even better? Teach it to somebody else, right? Yeah, and, th and that's what we do. And so I never claim to be a, a YouTube guru. I never claim to be better. And, and you talked about transparency. I do. I share every single little penny today. I showed the first $7 and I think it was 82 cents that I made on a new Amazon affiliate account because that's where we all start. You know, we yeah. see the guys with millions, but they started at $7 and 82 cents. Well, so uh, I love to learn. I love to challenge myself. I love to figure out stuff. And, and if I can share that experience, I will. I'll give you a parallel too yeah. of why people watching what you do is more valuable than paying attention to the guys who are millionaires now. Uh, and so I forget, I, I can't credit who was who was talking about this. But I think it might have been Lenny Macrina and Mike Reinhold. They were saying, if you are modeling your 12-year-old's Little League throwing program after Max Scherzer, who is a Cy Young Award winner, you're doing it wrong. Right. Because Max Scherzer's program is perfect for Max Scherzer. It is yeah. not perfect for your kid in the backyard on your, on your dummied up uh, mound. Doing what Mark Cuban does right now Mark Cuban in this analogy is Max Scherzer. That's not what you should be doing. You should be doing the ground up work. You should be doing the basics. Mark Cuban has done those, been there, done that. So the fact that you're doing this journey, you're sharing this information, the successes, the failures, but the why, the difference between the two is really valuable. So I want to make yeah. sure people know in the show notes, we're going to have links to everything that Tony does and where he shares everything. But I thought it was valuable. I thought it's bold and brave because like we live in a highlight real mentality, right? I mean, people love to talk about the successes and that's, that's, it's psychology, right? But you don't talk about successes or failures. You talk about both. You talk about the journey. It is. It's the process. I love the process. I love the process. In, in the clinic, I love the process. In the business, I love the process. I just love it. Yeah. It's valuable because we need to see that flip side. 
like even just for motivation, like if, if I just saw everybody launching a podcast and then they went straight to the moon, I'd be like, what am I doing wrong? Because <laughs> I do great, but I also get my ass handed to me. Like recently downloads have gone down and this will be a, a note for anybody who's working in the podcast arena. Apple made a change with their latest iOS update. So now you might not be actually followed or subscribed to your favorite podcasts. And maybe you forgot about it. You're like, you know what? And maybe like it takes you a couple of months to be like, yeah, where is a podcast from that show that I used to get every week or every couple of weeks? You have to go back in and hit follow in the top right-hand corner. So I've been trying to educate people like, hey, people who've been downloading my show for the last five and a half years, you might not be following us anymore. You don't even know it. So if I didn't mention that, that would be disingenuous. And that's, and as we, we talked about authenticity at the beginning of the show, you have to celebrate, celebrate the losses. Like, you know, I got my ass kicked today. You know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to, I don't know. I'm going to get up. I'm going to try to get my ass kicked again. I don't know. You know, what does that sound like? That's every one of us who works out on a regular basis. Yeah. Every single workout is a failure. Why do I do it? Because there's going to be a success down the road. Like if I don't fail at every single workout, now that doesn't mean maximum intensity. Right. It, obviously you vary it. But the idea is that at the end of the day, it's a failure moving me towards success. Right. Success comes in the form of good health, you know, the physical ability to do things that other people my age can't do. Yeah. Uh, Tony, we got a, a, a tradition on the show. It's called uh, Three Questions. You ready for that? Got it. Ready. Three questions from Fusion Medical Staffing. Find them online at fusionmedstaff.com. They're leaders in hashtag travel physical therapy. Uh, question number one is a where question. You're in Ohio, correct? Correct. Ohio. Uh, if you could go anywhere for like a week and just do whatever it is that you do, anywhere in the 50 U.S., where where is somewhere you either want to go back or haven't been yet? I would love to go back to Grand Canyon. We were there. We lost all of our photos from there. That is my next destination within the 50 U.S. states. It's a big hole in the ground, but I haven't been there, man. Some people say it looks oh, really it's nice. It's phenomenal. All right, I got to go there too. Second question is a what question. What's something you've watched or read or listened to? Something that you think the audience would get value from that you'd want to suggest? You guys, if you followed me, Alex Hermosi, I've been, I've consumed every single video on his YouTube channel. What's interesting about him that you might not realize watching is that I can hear the voices. I can hear the voices through him of Warren Buffett and all the great financial guys and gals that have been there before him. I can see who he's learned from and now he's consolidated that into his own way. He's learned, right? And that you stand on the shoulder of giants. It's like, yeah. be honest about it. But now what are you going to do with it? So that's right. great. Uh, last question is a who question. Who is someone the audience should know more about? Ooh. Um, so this guy, I actually was talking to him today. He's a little bit of a sleeper. I think he's going to make a big splash when he really comes out on the, the scene for physical therapy. Uh, Joey Albritton, he, he is a physical therapist, recently graduated, new dad. He's doing phenomenal stuff when it comes to marketing and driving those connections for therapists with patients. Love it. All right. That's uh, three questions. Again, brought to you by our friends from Fusion Medical Staffing, FusionMedStaff.com. The last thing we do on the show is the parting shot. Parting shot brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org. We've got news coming very, very soon from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy about their current concepts. We talked earlier this episode about maybe, maybe you want to take that journey to get your OCS, but you're like, I don't know where I am. I don't know where to start and where I'm supposed to go. Uh, the Academy of Orthopedic PT has a, a core, an independent study course called Current Concepts of Orthopedic PT. Fifth edition coming out soon. We're going to have details on that. Very, very shortly. All right, last uh, last thing we do, party shot, your last chance for a mic drop moment, soapbox, whatever, anything you'd want to reiterate for the audience, the stage is yours. <laughs> I just think that we are in a major transformation professionally. I think it's time that we put down what we've always believed is true. We need to forget all the stuff that we've grown up with as therapists. And we need to look at the problem at hand. You know, what are the problems our patients are facing? How are we going to solve this problem? Forget what you know. 
look to the future. How is AI going to affect our profession? Like, do I really have to answer the same question? There are Facebook bots right now that do a better job than a lot of me. A lot of my, my answers to questions. I think we need to embrace technology. We need to look forward and we need to figure out new ways to solve the problems that patients are dealing with yeah. because what we were doing 20 years ago is not going to work in today's environment. Yeah. Well played. Listen, don't be Metallica yelling at Napster. It's just, you're not going to, you're not going to like scream or legislate or bitch and moan your way out of a solution. Like the, the answer is forward. How, you know, adapt, adopt, you know, find a way to uh, overcome. That's going to be your, your best opportunity. Tony, I appreciate the conversation. I want to make sure it's not our last. Uh, I'd love to have you back on. Absolutely. Thanks for finally doing this with us. Absolutely. This was amazing, Jimmy. Seriously, such an honor to be with you, with your team, and with the audience that follows you. Awesome, man. Have a great night. You too. Follow us online. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PT Pinecast. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management. Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. ptpinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. To providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.